Well, it's that time of year again for my favorite holiday, Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving for so many reasons, but having family around and enjoying a meal together has always been my favorite part. This year, my wife and I are hosting again, and my parents and my in-laws will be in, and I can't wait to see them. I love cooking a massive feast and then enjoying food and conversation as one. For a lot of people out there though, including my family, attending Thanksgiving requires traveling. Whether that be by air, track, road, or water, which is exactly what our subject today is about. Two men, strangers to each other, were traveling home from New York to Chicago for the holiday, and who end up joined on an odyssey to be with their families. Starring two comedic legends, this is a holiday classic that has a bit of everything, just like a Thanksgiving dinner table. So if you're like me, and you enjoy film and the impact and emotions they convey, then grab a glass of your preferred liquid and join me for the next little while. For me, that's a glass of Buffalo Trace from our friends at the Buffalo Trace Distillery in Kentucky. So sit back, relax, and let's talk about the love of film. Welcome to Glazed Cinema. overlook city skyscrapers as an indecisive man looks over oversized lipstick ads. Across from him, sitting in silence, are a group of people watching him do this, wondering which ad he'll choose. One of the men looks down at his airline ticket in impatience and annoyance. The ticket reads 6 o'clock, Chicago. When he's able to finally leave the boardroom without a decision from the man behind the desk, he begins racing from the curbside to catch a cab. We exit outside and into downtown New York City as work is letting out all over the place. Racing outside, he stands on the curb attempting to hail a cab. When one finally arrives, he is distracted just long enough for a man in a blue coat to steal it. Running after the car with briefcase and ticket in hand, he finally does catch up to it as it stops at a red light. Opening the door, he meets eyes with the culprit and yells at him before the yellow car speeds away. He is understandably a bit tense 
as his briefcase gets run over by a couple cars. Feeling wronged from this altercation, hurried and worried that he might miss his plane. After all, like him, a lot of people are heading to the airport, trying to make it home in time to be with their families on Thanksgiving. Walking through a crowded airport terminal, he glances at an analog clock as 5.57 quickly turns to 5.58. With two minutes to spare, he reaches the gate in anticipation of boarding a plane, only to see a sign be put up on his gate number. There, next to his flight number, and under the name of his home city, reads, Delayed. Phoning home, he breaks the news to his wife, stating that he should be home by 10 o'clock at the latest. While sitting down to wait, he realizes that, sitting across from him, reading a book, is the very same man who stole his cab. The man's name is Dell, and he too is on his way home to Chicago for Thanksgiving with his wife. Unbeknownst to the two, this kismet meeting jumpstarts a united odyssey as the two unlikely companions travel together to get home to Chicago. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is a holiday classic that, on the surface, is about making it home for Thanksgiving, but has so much more to say below the surface. It's a comedy sure to impress, starring two comedic icons and directed by a man drawing upon his own life experience. John Hughes wrote and directed our subject today, which he created after an experience much like what unfurls in the film. Traveling for a presentation led to cancellations and detours that incurred a days-long journey to get home. Hughes, using his experience as inspiration, wrote the script in pretty quick fashion within a weekend and decided to direct it himself. When the script was finished, Hughes had written over 150 pages, which is a pretty hefty-sized script. He then pitched it to two actors he thought would be perfect in the two lead roles. In the role of the uptight, reserved and stressed Neil Page is Steve Martin. Martin, at the time, was a well-known actor who had already starred in several roles, including that of Navin Johnson in The Jerk. In this effort, though, he plays Neil, who is in the marketing industry. Neil is in Chicago on business, which we see a glimpse of earlier on in the movie, and wants to get back home to his family, which includes his wife, three kids, his parents, and his in-laws. In the role of the easygoing, talkative, and well-meaning Del Griffith is John Candy. Candy had also been in previous films, but this one was one of his first starring roles in a major motion picture. 
Candy was well known at the time for his humor, his smile, and kindness, gaining popularity after his iconic stint at SCTV. Here he plays Dell, who is in the shower curtain ring business and is trying to get home to see his wife. Directing them both is legendary writer, director, and quintessential voice of the 80s, John Hughes. Now, chances are high that if you don't know Hughes by name, you'll probably know his movies. Whether it's those he wrote, like Christmas Vacation and Home Alone, or those he wrote and directed, like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, The Breakfast Club, or one of our previous episodes, Uncle Buck. Hughes' films always have a healthy ratio of laughter, heart, and room for ad-libbing for the actors. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles shares all three of those things in strides. Hughes loved to allow actors creative room to play with their dialogue and ad-lib while on set, oftentimes creating wonderfully fitting dialogue moments. In fact, some of the greatest lines in this film were ad-libbed, including one of the most famous ones. Those aren't pillows. This movie is essentially about a misadventure from New York to Chicago. And if you look at a map, there's quite a bit of land in between those two cities. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles was shot on location in various places, including, of course, New York City, Chicago, and interestingly enough, Buffalo. They used Buffalo to film certain outdoor scenes that required snow, since at the time, Chicago didn't have enough to satisfy filming. Smart choice to use Buffalo as well. As a native of upstate New York, I can vouch for the amount of snow Buffalo gets, at times making national news. Due to the climate and challenges of shooting on location though, Hughes opted to film in one take to speed up the process. This, however, led to more challenges as Candy and Martin ad-libbed scenes, which led to the necessity of more takes. Eventually, the two leads agreed that they would stop ad-libbing while filming outdoor scenes to help make things easier on the crew and speed things along. This movie is a classic comedy, and so many people know and love this film. Whenever I talk to people about it, I always love to hear which scenes are their favorites, why, and hear them recount the scene. That's definitely a mark of a great comedy. If people speak so highly of it and reenact scenes that they love, that is high praise. I, too, have a few favorite scenes in the movie. After all, there's a lot of great material to choose from. Whether it's the two sharing a hotel room together, when Neil is at the rental car line, or whether it's Dell jabbering on the plane as they wait to take off, there are a lot of great moments. 
My favorite scene, though, is after Dell and Neil rent a car and hit the road together. To provide Neil the chance to rest a bit, Dell gets behind the wheel to continue driving toward Chicago. Getting onto the interstate late at night, they travel down an empty three-lane of a six-lane highway road. While driving, a car becomes even with them on the opposite three lanes. The car begins honking and yelling over the t- to them, trying to get their attention. Dell honks back, mocking them, thinking that they want to race, which wakes up Neil in the process. Gesturing to roll the window down, Neil obliges the other car and hears them say that they're going the wrong way. Turning to Dell, he repeats back what they said, to which Dell brilliantly says, Ah, he's drunk. How would he know where we're going? Neil, stunned, agrees, nodding his head and repeats, Yeah, how would he know? Smiling, Neil patronizingly waves back and says, Thank you. Thanks a lot. Terrific, in a flippant tone. Dell also says thank you, honking as a sign-off before saying, What a moron. The two cars continue to verbally spar until Neil looks to the roadside and finally understands what's going on only to look up as two tractor-trailer headlights approach toward them from the left and right lanes. I won't spoil what happens next, because it's pretty great, but that back and forth between Neil and Dell and the two cars is comedy gold, in my opinion. I chose a moment from this scene as the hint for this episode, as an ode to my favorite. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles was made for $15 million and had to be cut quite a bit to make the finished product we know and love today. One of the reasons was that lengthy script. To give you an idea, the script for Planes, Trains was, as I said earlier, just over 150 pages, whereas a traditional script is just over 100 pages. It's rumored that after the initial filming, they had about four hours worth of material, which was drastically cut down and made into the finished product we know and love today. When it was released, it was a big hit, garnering a $45 million box office return. Audiences flocked to see the chemistry between Candy and Martin and the greatness of the film. It's gone on to inspire several comedians to begin their careers in comedy and is among the most revered comedies of all time within cinema. The strength of this movie is definitely in the two leads, played by Martin and Candy. Neil really just wants to be left alone, do his own thing, on his own time, his own way. Whereas Dell really wants to be social. He wants to get to know Neil. He wants company. And the two polar opposite opinions, attitudes, and demeanors kind of work wonderfully for a comedy movie. 
Also, the two actors, Candy and Martin, play these two roles expertly, and the chemistry between the two is palpable. They play their roles kind of like themselves, and I think that's what works so well. It's very natural. It's very true to form. Without these two, there's no way this film is as good or as successful or as memorable as it is. And the two just didn't have chemistry on screen. They were actually friends outside of the screen as well. And I know when Candy passed away, it was a pretty decent blow to Steve Martin as well, as it was for his fans. John Candy is one of the comedians that I've always loved as a young kid to even you know, now and present day. I love that smile he has, his laugh, his energy. And from what I understand from hearing interviews, he was much of the same person, very kind, very sweet, very warm, and had a larger-than-life aura about him. Everyone who ever worked with him, whether it was his SCTV crew, like Catherine O'Hara, Eugene Levy, or Martin Short, or fellow actors like Steve Martin, they always speak so highly of him. I think that's a real testament to the man he was. I said this in the Uncle Buck episode, but I think it bears repeating. John Candy radiates warmth in his roles, and you can tell it's genuine. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles highlights the strengths of both actors, which are made ever more apparent by the great writing and directing of John Hughes. And I should highlight Hughes, as he is one of the most prolific filmmakers in probably the last 30-40 years. So many things that he's written have gone on to be classics, and almost everything he's directed have been home runs. He was a really talented writer and director. If you look at his IMDb, it's pretty stunning to see what he was involved in, and another reason why this is such a great movie. The three together, Hughes, Martin, and Candy, make terrific movie magic here. The wonderful thing about planes, trains, and automobiles, though, is that it's so much more than just a funny movie. There is a lot of emotion that delves into the very meaning of the holiday it's centered around. It tackles looking at how we treat others, the importance of family, and to be thankful for what and who we have in our lives. It creates a heartwarming experience that audiences have enjoyed watching around Thanksgiving for years. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday because of family. Being surrounded by those I love, who I care for, and who care for me is the best thing about Thanksgiving. It's about embracing those around you, welcoming them with open arms, and celebrating what makes us thankful. The food is good too, and I love to cook, but at the heart of it, it's about love and care, just like this movie. 
So if you're looking for something to watch to celebrate Thanksgiving, then look no further than this comedic gem. It's got heart, laughs, and character to make your holiday all the more special and a little warmer. If you'd like to watch planes, trains, and automobiles for yourself, you can find it on a myriad of streaming services. At the time of this recording, you can find it on Pluto TV. Pluto TV is a streaming service with a wide variety of offerings, and the best part is that it's completely free to enjoy. You can also find it on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus is a streaming service from Paramount Pictures and includes TV shows and, of course, a ton of great movies released by the legendary movie studio. Paramount Plus is available for either $5.99 per month for essentials or with Showtime for $11.99 per month. You can also find it on Showtime. Showtime is a streaming service offering sports, TV shows, and movies, and a lot more for $11.99 per month. You can also watch it if you have a Showtime add-on using services like Hulu, Prime Video, or Fubo TV. Lastly, you can also watch planes, trains, and automobiles on services including Apple TV, Google Play, Vudu, Prime Video, and Redbox for $3.99 to rent. This episode was written and recorded by me, Brian Kinney, with music by Kevin McLeod. If you like this podcast, tell your friends and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Each week there will be new content, including hints about episodes before they air. If you'd like to learn more about the podcast, visit our website at glazedcinema.com. There you'll find more info about the show and a place to submit ideas for future episodes. For film fans who are hearing impaired, the blog page on our website features each episode in written form as well. That's a wrap on Season 3. I can't believe that this time has come already, but here we are. I hope you'd enjoyed this season of the podcast, and I look forward to seeing you again in early 2024 with brand new episodes in Season 4. As always, thanks for listening, and I hope to see you next time with another beverage and another fine film on Glazed Cinema.